This is Aiden Knight, and you are listening to Wrestle Life Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Wrestle Life Radio. This is episode 151. I'm your host this week, Kyle Polly, and I'm joined by Micah. How's it going, Micah? I'm doing good, Kyle. Good good just to be just the two of us, you know? We don't have to worry about uh, trying to talk over some loud, boisterous uh, individual, constantly demanding us to say things we don't want to say. Uh, but enough about Matt. We got, uh, we've got wrestling to talk about. Hey, just the two of us, you know, we can make it if we try. <laughs> That's right. Just, just the two, two of us, us. you yeah. and I. That's right. So, uh, we're gonna talk a lot of AEW this week. Um, and we'll just get right into it, honestly, because there's a couple things we could cover. Yeah. Uh, the first, we're going to go over the AEW awards. I just want to do a quick run through of this. They, so they basically had their slammies. Um, it's, it was kind of like a whole like mock award show that they had and they had some decent guests on there. Like Shaq was on there. They had Ron Funches who I like. Um, uh, Topanga was on there. Who else was on there? Anybody, you know, uh, there was some, uh, Taylor comedy was on there. He's like really big into wrestling. I see on like Twitter and stuff. I don't know his last name, uh, but he goes by Taylor comedy on all of his social media. Right. Uh, a couple of podcast guys I saw on there. Uh, there was an MLB guy. Nobody that I particularly recognize. Yeah, yeah, they had some what I would assume are decently big names that was interesting to see. And not only that, they weren't just like they didn't just like show up for a check. Like it seemed like they were all pretty into it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Chel Sun was on there. He's a UFC guy. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Yeah. I forgot he was on there. He's definitely a wrestling fan. So, and if uh, he's basically take he took his entire UFC career. Uh, basically took a page out of professional wrestling and he was like the bad guy and everything. So he built a brand around himself, basically copying those bad guy, like Ric Flair type characters. So he's definitely a wrestling fan and he knew what he was talking about for sure. But I'll just kind of run through what the categories were and what, um, what the winners ended up being. It was also hosted by Tony Schiavone and Britt Baker as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we had biggest beatdown, which was won by the Inner Circle with their attack on Orange Cassidy, where they beat him with a bag of oranges. Yeah, they didn't give it to uh, the Dark Order taking out the Nightmare Family, which is one of the best segments in AEW history, but, you know, whatever. Or the Inner Circle versus the Nightmare Family, like when they went up into the stands and all that, like yeah. when Cody punched through the glass. It's just because Orange Cassidy is so popular. I mean, that's all I can attribute it to. This was fan-decided. Yes. It was like, it was like yeah. the Teen Choice Awards, basically. Yeah. And they even got a little like <laughs> they're almost Nickelodeon style. They like, look like awards. Nickelodeon, yeah, they do. <laughs> so, and it was so funny because you could tell they only had like two of them because like yeah. every time Britt Baker was like, "Okay, you have to give that back." No, you, you'll get yours tomorrow. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, so it, it was pretty funny, um, and they didn't take themselves too seriously. So it was it was fun. Uh, and speaking of not taking themselves too seriously, we had hardest moments to clean up after the year, which were basically like the hardcore matches which was won by Santana and Ortiz versus Big Friends in the parking lot brawl. And Santana and Ortiz accepted their awards and were like, yeah, but we lost. Like, we don't <laughs> care. This sucks. Yeah. We didn't even help clean up after. So Trent tweeted out a picture of the awards. and was like, I don't want this. And if you're going to keep this up, add my mom to the picture. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, we had best Twitter follow by Nyla Rose. Uh, Micah says she has a pretty entertaining Twitter, which is pretty great. Have you seen her video on how wrestlers install light bulbs? No. 
Oh, it's great. So she takes a ladder out and she climbs up the ladder, like trying to plug in the light bulb like people do during ladder matches. It's uh-huh. pretty great. <laughs> well, I'll check it out then. Uh, we then had biggest surprise. I mean, it was funny because all of the nominees were basically d- former WWE people coming to AEW. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, no surprise here. Sting won. Yeah, I mean, that was the one. Although yeah. it's not quite fair to call Sting an ex-WWE guy. I mean, well, technically he WWE was. for what, like two years? Maybe? Yeah, he, he gave him the middle finger to come to AEW, so yeah, kind of. <laughs> Uh, and Darby and Sting accepted the award. Or actually, it was just Darby. Darby accepted the award, yeah, because Sting couldn't be bothered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then we had the LOL Award, which was the Young Bucks super kicking MJF into the pool. Uh, MJF thought he was accepting the award for the best wrestler. Which is funny. <laughs> we had the biggest WTF moment, which was Kenny Omega winning the title and walking out of AEW. At the best high flyer, which is Ray Phoenix. I don't think anybody would argue yeah, that. For sure. Best moment on the mic, which was Cody Rhodes accepting Brody Lee's dog collar challenge. Uh, breakout male and female superstars, which are Darby Allen and Hikaru Shida, which I agree with. Odd choice by Shida, though. I don't feel like it's really her breakout year. She was pretty big in Japan before this, but you know, I think it should have been Anna Jay, but you know, whatever. Yeah, I could see that. And even, well, Tay Conti, too, has kind of had a nice year, so. Yeah. Uh, who might have a, a go at next year's award. It might be Red Velvet, but we'll get into that. Yeah. Uh, and then Bleach Report's pay-per-view moment of the year was the Spring Stampede. The what? So, spring Stampede. The Stadium Stampede? Yes, sorry. Stadium no, Stampede. I was, like, I was like, did I miss something? What's the Spring Stampede? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that the stadium. is a WCW pay-per-view name. <laughs> okay, that's the name my, they uh, stole. That's the name they stole. Then. Yes. Okay. Just like yeah. the Bash of the Beach is happening next week. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, that's probably the moment in wrestling. I mean, it probably will be for quite a while. I don't know how anybody's going to top something that unique. Yeah. And especially during this era, it kind of fit right in. So yeah. it was like right at the beginning of the pandemic. And I mean, they had to call off the blood and guts match, and <clears throat> people couldn't be in the stands anymore. So. It was a good way for them to kind of show everybody how they could still have fun out there. Yeah. And it was like, it's only something that would happen during this situation. So I don't know if anything like that will ever be quite the same, you know? Yeah, I think they will. I think uh, it's it's one of those things like you kind of, you do it out of necessity of the situation, but then it just becomes one of your tools that you could use. So they could always go back to it and... It'll be even better with a crowd there because then you can get their reactions and all that stuff. Like you can do pre-recorded stuff and I think the fans would be okay with it. Yeah, maybe so. So that was the AW Awards. It was, I thought it was fun. It was a nice little show. They didn't take themselves too seriously. They didn't do like gowns and all this crap and have like, you know, WWE's kind of overdone the Slammies a little bit a couple times. Uh, so that was not this. They kind of, they had the celebrities on there, had the moments and it was, it was fun. Yeah. And uh, it was like there were some moments that I kind of cringed, but I mean, anything like this is going to happen. So I it, awards aren't my thing, but I think it's really good, too, that the network uh, and, and the Bleacher Report and everything is, is supporting AEW in, in such a good way to allow something like this. 
That was pretty cool. Yeah, which is always good. That, that was one thing that I feel like Impact, uh, when they were trying to compete with WWE, they kind of struggled with. They'd have celebrities on here and there, but they were just never... I mean, AEW didn't have like any... You know, Shaq is big, and uh, like I know who Chael is, and Ron Funches is a decent comedian. So they're they're getting up there, but uh, yeah, it, like you said, having support from like other networks and stuff, and uh, these these partnerships are kind of building. It will go better for them in the uh, the long run. So it was a nice little show. Looking forward to the one they do next year. I think it'll be pretty fun. Um, well, let's talk about these ratings because this yeah. was kind of a surprise. It's a weird week. Uh, AEW has been kicking the crap out of NXT. Yeah, they had like this week a million views last week. Viewers, yeah, it's like half a million, something like that. So, um, NXT narrowed the gap this week. Uh, we finished with AEW still in the lead with uh, 734,000 overall viewers with a 0.29 in the 18 to 49 demo, which is the demo they've dominated in in this rivalry. But NXT surprised everybody, finishing with a 720,000 uh, overall viewership with a 0.21 rating in the 18 to 49, which and they actually is beat, higher than what they normally do. They actually beat AEW in the 18 to 49 females, which I don't think they've done in a while either. Yeah, so... It's, it's understandable their women's division is much better. And I know NXT's running the um, like Dusty Classic tournaments right now, so I don't know if that had something to do with it. Um. Yeah, it's it's kind of and like you were saying before we actually start recording that it might be because AEW show last week wasn't their best, but I don't know. It could just be one of those odd nights where just you know it's more people tuning in NXT. So yeah, it's also crazy too. The new, the news has settled down a lot, and uh, last week AEW had a much better rating, and they were thirty third for their demo. And this week they had a much worse rating, and they were third. So it just shows how much the news can dominate certain certain times. But yeah, the news has definitely calmed calm down this week. And I really I I don't understand it. Uh, I I really don't. Only thing I can guess is is like I said, the last week's show is a little bit weak because I think this week's show had a better card. I had a card that I thought would sell more views, but maybe not. Maybe everybody just sold all their GameStop stock and uh, bought a bunch of TVs, and they uh, they rigged this <laughs> rating. Or yeah, something. Vince Vince was over there <laughs> buying GameStop stock, buying uh, televisions. Yeah, it's in every, everybody from WWE a new TV so they could hook up and <laughs> double watch NXT. <clears throat> yeah, but, uh, I wouldn't put it past them. But obviously, we're building to for AEW. We're building to. Um, What's the official name? Beach Break is the new... Beach Break, yeah. Yeah, Because they can't use Bash to the Beach anymore because they lost that copyright suit. Yeah. So we'll have that next week. I would guess they're going to be much higher next week uh, and maybe things will go back to normal, but we'll see. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. So um, let's get into this AEW Dynamite. Like I said, it's it's a build to um, Beach Break. So um, maybe it was just like people... There wasn't like a lot of marquee matches on the show, but it was a good show. Um, yeah, they, I mean, they didn't have any matches that I was super looking forward to, but they had one match for sure that I really enjoyed. But every right. match, I, I I at least decently enjoyed. So, yeah, no, I agree with you. And <clears throat> it started with uh, like literally right out the gate, 
We had Eddie yeah. Kingston versus Lance, Ar- Lance Archer. Yeah. Um, man, this was a uh, brawl. For sure. And it's worth mentioning that a lot of people had issues with their TNT uh, app streaming this episode. Uh where as soon as Eddie Kingston came out, the stream went black and didn't come back on until after the match, which is a considerable amount of time. I think it's like 12, 13 minutes they went, they blacked out. Uh, So immediately after the match, Tony Khan uploaded the, I'm sure Tony Khan didn't, but he got them to upload the match on YouTube and issued an apology, which I think is a really cool way to handle things, uh, unlike the UFC have handled things here recently. But uh, it's a real shame that, uh, that more people didn't get to see this match. Cause I thought it was really solid and I, I thought it was really well booked. Yeah. And um, you kind of pointed out about the TNT app and I just watched it on TV, so I didn't really notice anything, yeah. but I did see later on that they added the full match and I was curious of why they did that. And mm-hmm. I didn't, I wasn't aware that they had that issue. So yeah, uh, I, I, know. <laughs> I, I was like, man, if you figured all these matches on the show to put as your full match on YouTube, it would have been jungle boy and, uh, yeah. And Dax, but uh, yeah, they don't yeah, normally they, upload dynamite matches fully to YouTube, but for like a while, so yeah, but it, yeah, it was it was a good match. Basically, um, they they use the build that you know these two have kind of been going at it since the uh, the battle royal was it the the diamond ring battle royal or was it the yeah. casino battle royal? Uh, it was the dynamite. Uh, nope, it wasn't either one. It was the. The one at All Out. I don't remember the name of it. I think this is the Casino Battle Royal. Maybe. They, they, oh, the Casino Battle, Battle Royal was a double <laughs> or nothing. It was one of the ones where you throw the people off the top rope. Yes. So <laughs> they basically said they've been feuding since then. Uh, Eddie Kingston didn't have Butcher Blade and the Bunny with him. It was just him by himself. So um, I don't know if there was like a... The, the announcers were kind of confused, but was there like a pre... There's like a rule or something where they didn't have to have people uh, ringside. I didn't see anything. I do know that Lance Archer came out with Jake the Snake and then made Jake the Snake go backstage. Right. And the uh, so he basically said, I, I got this myself. Um, so I was wondering if there was like some kind of band that I missed, um, but apparently not. So, but it was basically Lance Archer beating the crap out of Eddie Kingston the entire match. Um, most notably, there was a spot where. He picked him up for a choke slam by the ropes and dumped him out on the other side of the ropes. Oh my and Eddie Kingston God. bashed his hip against the ring apron and like rolled off of it. Looked like he killed himself. It uh, was a super rough bump. And like, it wasn't like, oh, he botched it. Like, that's what he meant to do. And I'm sure that's what Eddie Kingston wanted him to do. But man, it looked rough. Yeah. Well, I get hurt. Uh, obviously. Lance Archer, very athletic person, also got up on the top rope and hit a top rope moonsault. Uh, basically was setting up for the end when all of a sudden Butcher and Blade come out. Uh, they were able to capture Jake Roberts backstage, so we found out what they were doing. Uh, had him on the ground and basically drug him out there and, you know, were beating him up. Uh, had the distraction finish here, which AEW usually doesn't do, but... Um, I was fine with it here. I mean, listen, they, they're not overkilling it like WWE. Like there's not, there's never a clean finish on Raw or SmackDown. Yeah. So I'm fine with it here. It makes perfect sense. So it's okay. It was a really good uh, way to book this. Yeah. Yeah. So because Kingston had no business when I saw that he won this match uh, on the results, like before I actually watched the show today, I was like, huh? <laughs> and then I saw what happened. I was like, oh, okay, makes sense. Yeah. 
I would have for well, sure been, beat the crap out of him. It was no doubt that he should have won this match. Yeah. And not only that, I mean, Kingston used, I guess, what was a f- technically like brass knuckles. They looked pretty crappy. They could have done a better job of that. They could have given us some actual brass knuckles, which would have been really cool. Possibly yeah, basically Bunny. Legal, though. Uh, I don't know. Right, Bunny comes out with a, uh, it looks like they're taped something and they don't even call it brass knucks. So. There must be some sort of uh, network thing, the reason they can't use brass knuckles, because even with, like, uh, John Spears, when he had, like, the slug in his glove, they, like, were for sure to, to like, sway everybody's attention away from brass knuckles. But I think brass knuckles would have been better, but whatever. Yeah, you, you might be onto something there. But basically, Bunny ran out and slipped it to Kingston. He got up and hit a, like, back fist on Archer. I almost wish my, my one complaint about this is he backfists him, which would just like knock any normal man out. But That's his finisher. Like, the spinning backfist is his finisher. Yeah, but I almost kind of wish because it's Lance Archer and he's the murder hawk monster. If it would have just like stunned him and Kingston had to hit him with another one to put him down, then you knock him out cold. I mean, I know it's his finisher and it was with brass knucks, but I don't know. I thought it, was, it happened and I was like, I, it would have just been cool to see that. But Yeah, still, it would have been cool, but I mean... It's very nitpicky, I, I understand. <laughs> uh, they did they did announce next week we're getting Lance Archer versus Eddie Kingston 2. I don't know if you saw that. In a Lumberjack match. That. So they're having a rematch next week in a Lumberjack match, which means a lot of people are going to die. Um, oh, yeah. Lance Archer's going to be throwing people around like crazy. I'm sure Butcher and the Blade will as well. So I don't know if it's because of the streaming issue they had or uh, if they just want Lance Archer to get back his win. I mean, everybody hates 50-50 booking, but... I think in this scenario, it's perfect because you had the heel, I guess, because I guess Lance Archer's technically kind of been face here lately. I don't really know what he is. Um, I'm fine with him. He's a baby face to me. I, yeah. I love the dude. And and Eddie Kingston came, came went over in a very heelish way, so they had the immediate rematch. I think it's I think it's fair, and I think Lance Archer should win it. Yeah, I yeah. love the booking in this match. I think if you're going to have Lance Archer lose, this is the way to do it. You don't have Cody beat him with a crossroads. But, hey, I'm still not over that. That's fine. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, for sure next week, Lance Archer, the murder hawk, will be a murdering. But, uh, yeah, so good pickup win for uh, Kingston, and we'll see the rematch next week in a Lumberjack match. Uh, after this, we had a... John Moxley video promo, which was excellent. Um, <laughs> most notably, he talked about, well, he basically went over the whole elite storyline slash bullet club story. He's like trying to break down what's happening and how it is very confusing, which kind of is. <laughs> He's like, so wait, the good brothers are friends with Kenny. Kenny's friends with the young bucks, but young bucks and the good brothers don't really like each other, but they do. And, He's like, but they're both tag champions, so I don't know how that works. And he's just like, listen, I'm a simple guy. I trust my right hand and my left hand. He's like, I, I like a cold beer. I like a hot coffee, a lukewarm water to drink. And I like to have sex in the morning because it gives me a good start to my day. And it's just <laughs> like, this man is the biggest baby face in the whole promo. He's so good, company. man. Oh, just hilarious. This was like and a very... He's just like out in like nowhere, like there's... Power lines behind him, a fence. I don't even know where he is. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure 
Uh, Matthew, when him and Carol are listening, they can correct me on this. I'm pretty sure he is at the place that we had to park whenever we went to the last pay-per-view. Because I, I, I don't know if you remember us complaining about having to park like way off and like riding a, a four-wheeler up to the stadium because they had the Gator Georgia game that same day. So we weren't allowed to park in the parking lot because they had to socially distance the cars. And we were like out the boondocks by like this old beat up fence. And there was like machinery everywhere. I'm pretty sure that's where that was. Probably. They look like it. <laughs> yeah. And I got, as, as soon as I saw it, I was like, I think I know that place. <laughs> I would expect someone like John Moxley to park there. Yeah. He probably <laughs> parked there just, just so he can like pump himself up by the time he gets to the stadium. Listen, he's a simple man. He likes to get in quick and get out fast. <laughs> that's so it. He, he gets up there. He parks. He, he'll walk to the stadium. He doesn't care. He'll, he'll, beat, he'll beat some people up and leave. So, yep. yeah, it's a great promo. Yeah. Great promo from uh, Mr. Moxley. Uh, then after this, we get the Sting and Darby Allen promo. Uh, not as good. <laughs> it, it wasn't. Yeah, awful. Let's, talk, let's talk about this. this <laughs> so w- let me run through what happened real quick and then we'll talk about it because uh, <laughs> it's very quick. Sting and Darby are there. Darby's just like eating a skateboard or something. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> Sting's got his baseball bat. And basically Sting says, Ricky and Brian, we're going to face you next week in the street fight. Taz, you called me and Darby hoodlums, but we're not hoodlums. And then he looks at Darby. He's like, well, Darby's a hoodlum. And then Darby stands up and he's like, I am a hoodlum. Uh, it doesn't matter how dirty you play in the streets. It's all about survival. Then he throws a skateboard through the window. He calls Sting a hoodlum. Sting breaks some windows with his bat. And uh, Sting's like, huh, I am a hoodlum. And next week, it'll be showtime. And that was it. <laughs> no, so what happened was Sting broke the windows with a bat, took a good breather, and then said it was showtime. <laughs> oh, man. It was, I, I don't, I've, I said it last week, I think. Darby Allen's not doing it for me on the mic. His, like, whole promo, he's like, you gotta know how things are on the streets. It's doesn't matter how dirty you fight. And I'm a hoodlum. Sting's a hoodlum. We're all hoodlum. I don't know. I don't. I don't care for his promo work. I understand he's trying to be an edgy thirteen year old, and that's his whole gimmick. And I think maybe this gimmick really does work for the edgy thirteen year olds of the world. It doesn't do anything for me, but maybe it's not because it's not for me. But, like, I was telling Matthew earlier, I was talking to him, and, and Sting and Darby just really don't seem to have any chemistry to me. Does it come off that way to you? Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, promo is pretty... Yeah. I love Sting. Yeah, Sting's great. And I will say, I'm glad they did something different this week. And I feel like the feel of the segment was great. I think the, the staging of the segment was great. I just think the execution was pretty poor. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. It's, it, it wasn't great. Yeah. All I'll say. I've heard mixed things. Matthew said it was perfectly fine. Riley said that actually it was one of the better Darby Allen uh, promos. So I guess it's just all depends on who you are. Um, so let us know what y'all thought, but I don't know. I'm not, I'm not all about that, that Darby promo life, man. I just really wish he would either let Sting talk for him or maybe let somebody write his promos. Like I understand the whole thing at, at, at AEW is like everybody has creative control over their self, but I mean, he's a very good wrestler and he's a great uh, persona. I don't think he's got the, 
got the gimmick totally squared away. But I don't, I don't know. And then he threw his skateboard out the window, so he doesn't yeah. have a skateboard anymore. So that's sad. That's kind of his well, whole and, Yeah, and if, if you asked me or said, who in AEW would you say is a hoodlum? Yeah. Steve Borden is not somebody who would pop in my head <laughs> immediately. So, yeah, it was okay. It wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen, but it was, yeah. I'm kind of with you. I don't think these guys have much chemistry. So we'll see what that happens in the street fight. Yeah. I mean, Sting kind of seemed like a dad trying to stay cool with this kid. Like, he's got kind of like, felt like a dad and a son. Yeah, like, like his... Uh, He's got like this hoodlum son and he's just like trying to support him in his, in his career goals. And like, yeah, he's kind of a hoodlum, but you know, I don't know. It, it doesn't feel right to me. Yeah. And um, I'll bring it up when we get there. Cause it's, it's coming up in the show. There's one duo that I felt worked a lot better. I would say in the father son type of uh, category, but we'll get there. Um, after this promo, we had, Chris Jericho and MJF versus the Varsity Blondes. This is a good match. Um, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of the Blondes, especially Griff Garrison. I think he he's a great hot tag. He uh, he reminds me a lot of Edge, like early Edge, um, just like the tall, lanky, long haired dude. But he's 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 fires up when he needs to. And um, yeah, they had a really good match. And uh, <laughs> MJF is also probably one of my like easily top five favorite wrestler th- today. Like I loved when oh, him, when, when, uh, because basically Jericho and Brian Pillman Jr. Were working together. Uh, Pillman Jr. Is able to knock down Jericho. Jericho makes a tag to MJF. Pillman Jr. Makes the hot tag to Griff Garrison. MJF runs with his fist cocked at Griff Garrison. He goes to lay the punch on him, swings. Griff Garrison ducks underneath. MJF turns around and immediately throws up his hands. Wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> and just gets hit with a clothesline. It was hilarious. Was... Yeah, he is he's so good. And the opening of the match was really good too because MJF comes out. They come out to their like mixed song, which I think oh, yeah, yeah, they cut like a little promo to begin. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, I think they tweaked the song a little bit. I think it sounded better this week actually. It was less MJF song and more Judas. Um right. but anyways, and so they come out, MJF takes the mic, it's like, oh hey, is that you? Is that you, little Griff Garrison? And he's like, oh, remember the last time we, we wrestled? He's like, I'm not going to embarrass you this time. Just, you know, just lay down. And just lay down for the pin, and it'll, it'll all be okay. And then Griff Garrison just lays into him. He, like, chases him around the ring. He showed a lot of, like, fire here. I thought it was really good. I'm, I like the Varsity Blondes as a tag team. I know they're not officially, like, signed or anything, and if they are, it's one of the lower contracts. But I think as far as, like, a lower card tag team, I think they're a great addition. Right. Um, I thought the best part of the match for me was when MJF gets into the ring and Griff Garrison's got the upper hand. He had the upper hand for quite a while. Right. And uh, he pulls, MJF's like trying to escape under the ropes and Griff Garrison like pulls him back in and MJF's like flailing and his eyes are like, no, no, no. It was like such a cartoonish expression. And he's so, he's like, he's, I don't know, man. He might be the best, my favorite seller in AEW, the way he sells things. You got like MJF, you got Ortiz, you got Sammy Guevara. Those are probably the top three guys, in my opinion. Funny, they're all in the inner circle. But I, I love I love the over-the-top comedy style sells, for, especially for like a coward heel like MJF. I think it works great. Oh, yeah. And that's 
why I love him because he's so good at what he does. Um, yeah. So basically, uh, Griff Garrison, after he got the hot tag, just ran wild on everybody. Um, hit a double spear on Jericho and MJF. He tagged mm-hmm. Pilbin Jr. back in, who hit a missile drop kick. Uh, hit Chris Jericho with a uh, super kick. Uh, Jericho went to the floor, got hit with another drop kick. Uh, and then Pillman Jr. got got him in the ring, got up on the top rope, and went for a, I guess, like a double axe handle or something like that. Uh, but came down, Jericho hits him with a Judas effect as he's coming off the top rope. And just as a big F you to everybody who made fun of him for missing that uh, lion salt a couple weeks ago or whatever it was, Jericho just for no reason at all, because he had the guy dead, goes and hits the ropes and does the biggest lion salt you've ever seen. And then smiles at the camera afterwards, picks up the win here. So MJF Jericho win. The biggest (laughs) crap eating, like heel smirk. It was great. Yeah. So, and then uh, after the match, uh, we had MJF. And so basically, the story is MJF has won over everybody in the group except Sammy Guevara. Sammy is not buying into this guy. He's not falling for it. And MJF kept saying, we need to talk after this. We need to talk. And Guevara is basically just like, no, I don't want to talk to you. And they they did the salute with all the middle fingers, but MJF still not went over Sammy. So maybe, maybe we're leading to a uh, face turn for Sammy, break it apart from the inner circle. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Uh, some people are it. speculating that MJF and Sammy are actually in cahoots and they're just doing all these segments to turn the tables on Chris Jericho because they know he watches the show. Oh, Possible. Hmm. Possible. I don't know. I think there's a lot of ways they can go with the story and they're all pretty good. Yeah, so after this we had Pac talking about Kenny Omega. Called him a manipulator and a cheater. Basically just cut a promo for... He said that he said that Kenny was walking around like Billy Big Bollocks, which I thought was just a great line. Pac's yeah. promo work or vignettes or whatever these officially would be called are great. I love these. Yeah, he's great. Uh, he's fantastic. So, um, basically, he's just plugging their uh, match that they're going to have at uh, Beach Break, essentially. Uh, same yeah. with like Moxley earlier. So, uh, it, it was a good promo to have here with these guys. So, um, yeah, and Pac killed it too so i fully expect that match to be fantastic oh i'm sure it will be so looking forward to that uh and and there's more i think there's more to come um oh yeah because later on i forgot what happened mm-hmm. uh after this we had the, they showed basically Shaq was a guest like i said on the AEW awards so they replayed the video of him challenging cody rhodes uh basically saying you name the time and the place and then Shaq turned around and named the time yeah he's like you name a time and a place how about march (laughs) yeah so he did call cody a punk and said he looked like a girl because his blonde hair or something yeah okay it (laughs) wasn't it wasn't the greatest diss i've ever heard it wasn't like Shaq charles barkley level uh i'm sure they stopped him in the middle of a commercial break on a tnt show and was like hey Shaq, cut a promo real quick on cody he's like you blonde hair like girl you punk (laughs) yeah march so uh yeah uh so then after this we basically had uh cody Rhodes come out tony shivani uh came down as well and Arn arn anderson was in the ring joining cody as his coach and this is what i was talking about earlier this felt like the real father-son duo that darby and sting need to be uh yeah. because arn comes out uh cody admits that 
not only Arn, but JR also chewed into him for uh, for wrestling Peter Avalon so long. Basically said like I bet, for... I bet JR really did. <laughs> I'm sure him and Arn probably really both did. Uh, so Just he like all basically, the internet did. Yeah. <laughs> says that, uh, you know, he took, quote unquote, took um, Peter Avalon too lightly and worked him too long. Uh, so he basically said... You know, he's got a baby on the way. He was hoping that they could plug him and Brandy versus Shaq and Jane, Jade Cargill, which obviously was supposed to be the original match, but said that he's got a lot on his mind. He's got a baby on the way, so he's going to defer to his coach for the decision. So he lets Arn talk, and Arn cut an awesome promo. Yeah, he still got it. It's great. I mean, he Like, soft-spoken, but, like, you listen to every word he says. He said he he's going to contradict himself. He understands that Cody is going to be a dad. Um, it's the most important thing in his life. And he said, uh, speaking of the most important things, um, do you remember June 29th, 1985? Did that mean anything to you? And Cody was kind of like puzzled for a second and said, that's the night when your dad, Dusty Rhodes, fight Tully Blanchard. Um, I think he said in the uh, Coliseum somewhere, I forget where it was, but they had like a 30 minute fight. And right after that, he hopped on a flight and made it back to see the birth of his baby boy, Cody. And like Cody is like, his yeah. lip is quivering. He's got tears in his eyes. Like the most realist moment on the show. Like anytime you mention Dusty around Cody, he gets pretty teary eyed. It's, yeah. it's, it's obviously a lot of real emotion there, which is great to work with in a promo. Yeah. So it, it was fantastic. So Arn says, if you fart, if you fight it, if you fart, <laughs> <laughs> don't fart Cody, if you fight in March, uh, you should do it with no regrets, but he talks about Shaq and Cargill's pedigrees, how Shaq's, uh, you know, was dominating athlete of his time. He's also huge, gigantic. And he also says, Hey, when Jade walks into a room, she, she dominates everybody in there. But I saw something two weeks ago that I think you need to see. He calls out red velvet. She comes out there. She grabs the mic. She cuts the promo of her life. And basically, she she said she's going to stir up Jade Cargill. Cody's impressed. Aren't impressed. He's like, see, it's what I'm talking about. And uh, so they basically promote uh, Cody in a red velvet versus Shaq and Jade Cargill. Basically, they say they're leaving it in Shaq and Cargill's uh, court. But sounds like that's what they're building for revolution. Yeah, so I think, first of all, I think Cody and, and uh, red velvet versus Jade and Shaq will be much better than Cody and Brandy. You know, I've heard people Jane. kind of criticizing that like Red Velvet is like green, which she is, and that it's it's going to be a hard match because obviously Shaq doesn't wrestle. I mean, we don't even know what Jade Cargill is going to look like. But I was like, I would imagine Red Velvet's probably going to do better than Brandy, if I had yeah. to guess. Yeah, so for sure. I, I think Red agree. Velvet perfectly solid in the ring. Uh, she's not like super technical or anything. Like she's not like Serena Deeb or anything. But right. I think she's perfectly workable. I haven't seen like a really bad match out of her. She's definitely small. I mean, I mean, but that doesn't stop a good women's wrestler. Look at Alexa Bliss and all she's accomplished. She, they're about the same size. Right. Uh, I think Red Velvet's got a lot of upside. The promo was very good. I think she's got a very good look. I think she's got a good name, a good like memorable name, a good gimmick and everything going on. Uh, I think it'll be really good for her to be in the match. I don't think it'll be a good match because, I mean – but I don't think the point of the match is to be a good match. The, the point of the match is to, uh, number one, appease the network, 
number two to get new eyes on the product and like it it's it's not it's not a match that's for us you know but i'll tell you what though this is probably red velvet's it's going to be the highlight of her career most likely oh yeah i mean she's, she's going to be there with cody rhodes and Shaq. yeah like gosh can you imagine what she's going to look like next to Shaq? <laughs> Pretty yeah, I I can imagine. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, hey, Cody, Cody to Shaq is going to be pretty daunting. Yeah. This is a really really good segment. I thought though. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, good segment. Put over the match. Put over Cody and Red Velvet. Uh, yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah. Uh, we then had a video hyping up the upcoming wedding between Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford. Uh, Charles was in the back, just like chilling. I. <laughs> This segment was fine, um, but I really loved when they all talked about, you know, they're going to be there. And then Miro's like, and I'm going to be there. And not only that, my buddy Charles and like smacks his dude on the back and like pats him. I wish that Charles was going to stick along with the group for a while, but sadly it's going to end after next so, week. But so, you know, what I, love, we- I love Miro bullying Charles. Yeah, it's actually a pretty good <laughs> dynamic. But you know what didn't happen? The bachelor party. Bachelor party. Yeah, They've been they... pumping up this bachelor party since Miro debuted. They had the Frankie Donkey Kong guy on there. They had promo packages about it, and it just didn't happen. There's no bachelor yeah. party. And I don't see it happening next week because next week is the it's party. a loaded show. Yeah, it's a loaded show. I mean, well, they, maybe... could, they could do like a because, uh, I mean, the bachelor parties usually happen either a, a day before the wedding or like a week before the wedding at, at the most. So, like, they could, you know, show a video package. Uh, of the actual thing before the uh, the bachelor party before the wedding, but I just don't see where it's going to fit in and be like a like get the amount of time that it should get yeah. with all the stuff going on next week. So so yeah, go ahead and lay out our predictions. What do you think is going to happen at the wedding? Because it's a wrestling wedding, so something's going to happen. I think Charles is going to screw everything up in some way. So, I yeah. think I think Miro's going to screw everything up. I think it's okay. this going to be. I think this is going to be his disconnect from Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford. You know, it would be perfect. It's not going to happen, but it would be perfect. Uh, is if Lana was not with WWE. Oh my god, that would be great. <laughs> and this was the way that Lana debuted, and Rusev and Lana screwed over. Well, Miro and Lana screwed over uh, Penelope and Kip, ruined no, their right. wedding. You've got it all wrong. You've got it all wrong. No, what would happen? So Penelope has to fall for Miro, right? And then Lana has to come out and profess her love for Penelope, and that's how they would uh, they would they would listen. Vince McMahon is not booking the show, so I'm <laughs> oh, <laughs> talking about that. Uh, but yeah, it, or maybe I was just, like, thinking about it. Maybe they'll subvert expectations, and it'll just be a wedding. Maybe they live stream it on Twitch. That would be great, actually. <laughs> actually, that's what they need to do all this week. They need to live stream the Bachelor Week or something on Miro's Twitch and then just play the highlights. Yeah, that would be just cool. Just do that. But uh, yeah, so wedding next week. We'll see what's in store. Obviously, something's happening. So uh, yeah. It, it, listen, it's beach break. If they have a pool, I would bet Kip Saban, Penelope, Penelope Ford, and Miro probably go to the pool. Yeah, I would say so. so. And they might even, I mean, they didn't have Orange Cassidy on the show. They'll probably use the segment to put Orange Cassidy over. Oh, I yeah. think it's most likely. He'll be involved in some way, but I th- I think Charles will like 
be like I said, he's he's in the inner circle, you know, per se of this, you know, this trio. So he knows what the wedding planning is. He knows what's going on. So if anybody's going to screw it up, it could be him. And I, Orange Cassidy will probably help. So yeah. yeah, that'll probably be what happens. Yeah. So we'll see. Instead of Lana coming out and professing her love to Penelope, I think that's more likely. Yeah. <laughs> then we had uh hangman page versus Dolph Ziggler. I mean, Billy Gunn. I mean, oh, Ryan Ralph, Nimeth. <laughs> Ralph Ziggler. Like I saw this and he looks like early Dolph Ziggler when everybody said Dolph Ziggler, like a young Billy Gunn. Yeah. Like, and listen, he looked like like Dolph was poking fun at him, saying he was basically the rip off Dolph Ziggler all week. Uh, it was funny because he tweeted out AEW's, uh, he retweeted AEW's like promo for the match and said, "Cease and desist. Do not watch my brother on AEW," which I thought was great. Yeah, that's his um, way of promoting his brother, even though WWE wouldn't allow him to officially do that. Yeah, so they they promoted him, or not they, but Dolph was saying he was a second rate Nimeth and. Uh, Sorry to say, but he basically was. Uh, yeah. He hasn't wrestled it, in like years, apparently. He's, he yeah, thought, I think like, he was retired. Yeah, like, I thought he was young. Dude's 38. Like, it's not like he's just coming up. Yeah, he was... Uh, he. You could have fooled me, though, because he looked so green to me. Just because, like, his selling... Like, if there's he one was, thing he doesn't have that his brother has, was his selling was awful. Yeah, it was pretty bad to where, like, Hangman would knock him down, and instead of, like, leaving his head on the mat, he'd, like, pull his head up to look around to see what Hangman was doing, which is what I would do if I was on a wrestling ring. Or he just, like, wouldn't sell at all. There was punches he was throwing that were, like, Nimeth wasn't selling at all. Till where finally, Hangman almost had to pull, like, a, um, like, Dan Hansen and just, like, took this guy's head off of these two clotheslines he gave him. Like, it was, Yeah. yeah. I don't know if Hangman was pissed. I would be. Um, it, it just wasn't a great, it was fine of a, like, it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't that great, mainly because of Nimeth. Um, and then, like, basically, they, you know, wrestled, Hangman was beating the crap out of him. Nick got a little bit, or not Nick, Ryan got a little bit in. And, uh, then at the very end, Hangman clotheslines the crap out of him, and then he goes to hit the buckshot lariat. And you could tell this guy is either green or just like not a good wrestler because he is on the complete opposite side of the ring and most wrestlers a good you can tell a good worker based on their positioning yeah and like where they are like eddie kingston not the most athletic dude but i'll tell you what when he wrestled Pac a couple weeks ago Pac is running these wrestling circles around him but you know who was there every time Pac jumped off something to land on him or to to like throw him somewhere kingston was right there with him because he's a good worker and ryan nim was on the opposite side of the ring hangman had to flip over the rope for his buckshot Larry and basically run the rest of the third of the ring to hit this guy. Just, yeah, he, if he's going to stay on the roster, he needs a lot more matches in dark. Yeah. I don't think he should stay on the roster personally. I think his only upside is that he looks like Dolph Ziggler and I don't see that as an upside. It's like we have discount Dolph Ziggler and I think it just furthers the impact uh, TNA look for AEW. I, I don't think they should go with it. He is very he's very close friends with Luchasaurus apparently, um, so maybe that's why he got the gig. Man, I mean, as far as a jobber match goes, it did give a little bit of buzz around it, but I I wouldn't keep him on the roster. My decision, but it was also not like because it was basically a squash match or it was a highlight match for Page supposed to be. Um, yeah. 
but it wasn't even like for somebody like Nemeth, I guess they didn't know how it was going to be, but for someone like Nemeth, you want him to be the guy, like the big guy throws around and destroys like him not selling for hangman and hangman having to do a lot of the work here just did not necessarily make hangman look good either. Yeah. So, I think what's really important in this match is what happened during the match though. Right. So Matt Hardy is basically out there. Uh, he made his way down to the ring during the match and basically scouted the entire match. This was really the only important thing in this match. Yeah. Um, and then after uh, hangman picks up the win, Matt Hardy, you know, was clapping for him the whole time. And he, st- he just starts to leave. doesn't want to say anything. And, uh, Hangman starts yelling at him, hey, get back here. What are, what are you doing out here? So Shivani grabs the mic and gets in the ring and says, hey, we saw Hangman call back Matt Hardy, so we want to find out what's going on. Hardy grabs the mic and basically says, listen, I came out here to support Paige. I've seen what's happened with you. I saw the Dark Order try to recruit you, and he basically says, you're you're lonely, you know, sad, you know, what happened to you, and you're, you're buddies with the elite. But I see you at catering, dressing by yourself, you're not even in the locker room. So uh, it was funny because he was like, I have nothing to offer you. Basically said, I'll offer you our locker room to change in. Yeah. So he does have something to offer him, but basically said no strings attached. Uh, but obviously with seeing how things are going with private party, Matt Hardy, what is it, What is his nickname now? He's got like big a money it's big money Matt. Uh, big money Matt. Something's definitely working in there. He's definitely... The gears are turning and he's he's trying to coop up something with Hangman. So Yeah, I really like this gimmick with Matt Hardy. I think it's the perfect gimmick for him right now. Um and I like it more than the broken Matt Hardy thing, really. Broken Matt Hardy's not entirely my thing. And I think it gives him an opportunity to cut some really good promos because he hasn't always been given that opportunity. And I think when provided that opportunity, he's really good at it. So I think him being more of a manager role uh and still wrestling some really works and him being like a i don't know he's not really like he doesn't come off so much like a vince mcmahon uh wannabe but he's just playing like an old school carny uh wrestling promoter kind of deal and I, th- I think right. it really works for him i like it yeah so i would bet money that he's gonna try his best to recruit hangman hangman's not gonna fall for it because <clears throat> he'd be dumb too I yeah. mean, if you're not going to go with the Dark Order, I'd be pretty pissed if he joined with Matt Hardy in Private Party. But I think he's going to turn him down and it's going to get a feud going between Hangman, Private Party, and Matt Hardy. Maybe Dark Order makes an appearance. That'd be kind of cool. But yeah, maybe so. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with him. But I, I thought it was a good segment, especially since the match was not good. But then we had a good match. The match of the night. Yeah, my, my favorite match tonight for sure. Jungle Boy versus Dax Harwood. Um, obviously, they. I even like the like pre-package they put together because like FTR is coming out with uh, Tolly Blanchard, and then they quick they cut to a quick video. They gave, basically give a rundown of what happened last week, where Jungle Boy and Dax challenged each other. But Luchasaur stepped in and said, "Listen, we're not going to have any of these shenanigans at ringside. We're going to make sure you you know you don't need your buddies. They're going to be handcuffed to me." But it wasn't just a replay of last week. They even like had like a little thing where they let Jungle Boy talk, which yeah. he was great in. They let Dax Harwood talk. This is the best way to handle something like this because WWE is pretty bad about just replaying what happened before. And it is good for casual audience to have that. But it's really good if you replay what happened before in a very quick way, especially between entrances. I like that. 
but yeah. also add a little bit for the people that watch every week. I think that's like perfect execution of a, a segment like this. Yeah, it's fantastic. I loved it. So um, then we get, obviously, Jungle Boy coming out on Luchasaurus' shoulders with his awesome music. Uh, Marco's even out there with his shoulder taped up. But uh, he he leaves ringside and they handcuff uh, Tully Blanchard and Cash Wheeler to Luchasaurus. So they're sitting at ringside in their chairs. Luchasaurus is in the middle. It's actually pretty funny looking. And then like <laughs> during the entire match, uh, Tully and Cash are like, you know, they're trying to get their support and like yell at Dax. But Luchasaurus, anytime Jungle Boy does something good, he's he's like talking smack to both of them. He's like, yeah, like he's pumped up. Yeah, look at my boy. <laughs> yeah, like it was awesome. But they had a great match. Um, Harwood is fantastic as the heel. Jungle Boy was like the almost. I mean, he's underdog for the you know the most part. Harwood yeah. is a veteran, and Jungle Boy is you know a young younger guy, so. He was playing the good underdog role here, but he Man, looked impressive. Can you be any more babyface than Jungle Boy right now? Uh, he's like, fantastic. That, that entrance song he's got now, the way he like carries himself in the ring, he is super babyface, man. And, and then they did a they did a really good job of the the so the this was they take I think they take these after the fans leave right from the previous yeah. week. Yeah, this is an and after, this is the next so day. it was yeah. So they had um. No fans there, just the uh, the plants, basically the dark people. Um, no, that didn't sound right. The AEW dark show people. <laughs> um, they are standing out there ringside. They're really the only crowd, but man, they sounded like a bunch of, like a big crowd of people. They were just going nuts this entire match. Uh, yeah. Made it sound more important. They are doing the Jungle Boy chant, which is going to pay dividends when fans actually come back because they're showing them you know, the chance that they can pick up on, which is great. I mean, they would have done it anyway, but so I hadn't heard that song before jungle boy got it since like the teenage mutant Ninja turtle movie. Right. Yeah. I hadn't heard that song since then. I've heard that song on the radio twice since jungle boy debuted. That's that music. Yeah. Like, I don't even know if it's cause I never li- like noticed it, but I've heard it on the radio at work. And then it's like stuck in my head for the rest of the day. It's a great song for an interest yeah. music for baby face, but yeah. That lives um, in the jungle. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Yeah, so it was just a back and forth match. Um, Jungle Boy, you know, a lot of offense, doing some, you know, fantastic work. Uh, him I mean, I knew this match would be great though, because of MJF versus Jungle Boy, and this is basically the same type of match. And it's crazy, Jungle Boy being as young as he is, being this good of a technical wrestler. But Harwood's like, you know, he he had the more rough style than like MJF, and was like. Yeah, slowing down Jungle Boy. Uh, they also did a good job of telling. Well, this is probably my favorite part of the match. Um, they were selling uh, Dax Harwood hurting his left arm. Yeah, and uh, basically he got pushed shoulder first into the post. Uh, so Jungle Boy starts targeting, not even necessarily targeting his arm, but they constantly made it a point to. If Jungle Boy like, there were points where um, Dax like got him in a full Nelson, and Jungle Boy would power out by. Uh, getting loose from Harwood's left arm. Like just yeah. every little thing they would do and like him throwing, uh, he, like Jungle Boy would kick his arm. He'd throw him to the ropes and he'd sell his arm. Like he just, it's a masterclass of like selling, of like constantly going after a body part. And it wasn't like Jungle Boy had to like stomp on the arm the entire match or, you know, go over the top like a Randy Orton or something. Or it, it just, they played it into the match. They had the same match they would do whether his arm was hurt or not, 
but they used it to sell the fact that his arm was hurt, which is the best way to do it. Yeah. And like, I can't say enough about how great this match was. And so I'm not going to go over, over every spot because it was just, just a bunch of back and forth, but it was fantastic. The one spot uh, that I want to mention is that power okay. bomb he hit on Jungle Boy. Oh, yeah. Picked him up, bounced him off the ropes, and then used that leverage to just... It was one of like the quickest, most powerful-looking power bombs that I've seen in quite a while. By I mean, I've seen power bombs by much bigger men, but it just looked really impactful. Yeah, for sure. So um, that was that was a huge part of the match as well, which like Jungle Boy kicked out of like 2.95. Uh, yeah. So like, yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, basically, the end of the match came when uh, Jungle Boy hit a crossbody. Uh, they he rolled up Harwood, but they started exchanging whole or roll ups. Harwood even tried to grab the tights at one point to get the uh, sneaky win, but Jungle Boy was able to kick out. Basically just trading near falls at the very end until um, he was able to throw Harwood off the ropes. Uh, he went for a, he rolled him up again. So they're basically doing a bunch of roll ups. Jungle Boy rolls him up again, but this time Harwood kicks out and Jungle Boy follows through holding onto the leg and puts him in the snare trap. And uh, he has him in it. He's at, he's at, he has him in the move. Uh, Dax is tapping out. Um, Cash and Tully are like reaching. They're trying their best to get to the ring. Luchasaurus is holding both of them back. Uh, and then what does Jungle Boy do but secure the left arm from Harwood and he immediately taps out from it. Once again, Rick playing the left arm. So just fantastic match. I could not say more about it. Like it's surprising. Great. I could not believe that jungle boy made Dax Harwood tap. That's that was crazy. Not only that, the stipulation actually stood. Nobody got involved. What a, yeah. what a crazy idea. And then they, they listen, WWE, they're big on getting heat nowadays but to the detriment of the baby faces yeah this was the opposite of that the baby faces got to shine they got everything they wanted and made the heels look foolish but the heels are heels and they did get one over on them yeah um but it's fine because that's how they get heat um so basically what happened so after the match they're starting to uncuff tully and cash from um uh, luchasaurus luchasaurus just pumped his buddy one jungle boys just celebrating the ring and Tully, it's basically as soon as he's done handcuffing him, they're still handcuff or unhandcuffing uh, Cash. He dumps some powder out of, from his pocket into his hand. <laughs> he throws it in Luchasaurus's face, gets all over his mask, and him and, uh, and Cash are beating up Luchasaurus. Um, they they jump in and jump Jungle Boy start beating him up. They then take the already handcuffed Luchasaurus, which is another great way to work this in. Like so, they they were still on this. They never got to handcuff Luchasaurus, so they take that and handcuff him to the ropes. They grab a pair of scissors. They cut the horns off of his mask, which I almost thought they were going to start cutting off the mask, which would have been yeah. pretty big. But they cut off the horns, which still defacing the mask. And then they go and they start to cut Jungle Boy's hair when Marco finally runs out to break everything up, along with like uh, SCU and some of the other baby faces. But it was a great match. Great way for the heels to get heat in the segment, and I'm sure this feud is going to continue. Obviously, we need to have the tag match to settle it, but yeah, yeah, I, mean, I think we'll probably. I can't give this enough thumbs up. Yeah, I think they'll probably go with the tag match between these two guys, uh, maybe like a number one contendership match, because uh, they had Marco and Jungle Boy versus FTR, but we all know that's not the real tag team. 
right. Explosion Force and Jungle Boy. And yeah, I think this is a, a really good feud to have. Uh, I think that they probably are going to use this to debut Luchasaurus's new mask, which they've said they've been working on for quite some time now. Yeah, uh, I figured they would. Uh, Luchasaurus doesn't actually own his current mask design, so like they can't put it on like toys and stuff. Like they can't make a Luchasaurus toy with his current mask design because he doesn't own it. Somebody else does. So they're making he doesn't his own. It? No, he doesn't own the copyright. His his mask is actually like. It's like a thousand dollar mask, but it's like yeah. a Hollywood mass produced type of mask that some company has copyrighted, and he added horns. Well, so he was at um, he was at Lucha Underground. I think that's where he debuted it. But I thought it was no, a different he was, mask. He had a different that he mask. debuted with first. He had a different and mask. He, and so I thought he had this one, and that was the one he owned. But I guess not. But yeah, I hope so, he doesn't steer too far away from the design because I think it's awesome. So yeah, what so I was thinking. He's got the same people making the mask, but it's just going to be something proprietary. And not only that, it's going to be something supposedly that stays on his head better because yeah. he's had consistent issues where he's like in the middle of the mask and he's trying to sell, but he's also having to fix his mask because he can't see. He can't breathe through his nose while he's wearing the mask, apparently. So that's yeah. a problem because he talks about how like people always say he's big and doesn't have cardio, but he has to breathe through his mouth the whole mat- like match. So that's obviously an issue. But yeah, I- I'm stoked to see that i hope it looks really cool i'm sure it does i don't think they would do this unless they knew it looked really cool and i mean listen there this is just i was kind of hoping because i didn't know it was going to be a whole new mask but hopefully they don't steer too far away from what it was because i actually didn't like his first mask they had in lucha underground and no, then got this so one weird. this one's a hundred times better than that one so yeah. i'm hoping the new one doesn't steer too far away but i i was kind of excited because I was like, if they keep the same design and just like, you know, make it slightly different or something, but just adding like different colors to it. I mean, that's one thing that made Rey Mysterio so marketable. He could have a new mask every time he wrestled and could um, do different colors and different themes and stuff. So like, I mean, listen, it's a, he's a dinosaur, but I mean, there's purple dinosaurs, red dinosaurs, or like dinosaurs with feathers and stuff. Like you could go crazy with this mask idea. So I, I hope they go that direction because I think it'd be really cool to do and just make it that even more, you know, much more marketable. Yeah, he's had a couple different masks, even in AEW. Um, like, he's had the one that was, like, gold, like, more gold. But he had he had a couple in Lucha Underground where, um, like, his original one was the same mask without the horns. And before that, even, he, was, uh, he was, wasn't he was Luchasaurus. He was Vi- Vipero or something. Yeah, yeah he had different like Snake face, and it was super creepy. Don't yeah. care for that one at all. But yeah, I, I think it would be good if uh, if he has something more marketable, maybe, I guess. Yeah. For sure. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm hoping they will. Um, I don't even I don't necessarily know that they have to make like a. I, I almost hope they don't even show up next next week at the uh, the beach break. I hope they make the match for Revolution. I hope FTR and Tully are there talking crap next week on a promo and Marco just like walks in and he's like, I'm not here to start anything, but just let you know, we talked to Tony, we had the match, our boys are going to get their revenge and let them walk off and let FTR do their reacting to it because they know these guys are coming back to get theirs. That's all I need to see. And I'm, I'm sold. Yeah. So I agree. So yeah, I love this segment. Love the match. Fantastic. So go watch it. 
Um, after this, we had Team Taz responding to Sting and Darby Allen's promo. Um, they, well, they were out in the parking lot. Like somebody's selling merch in the parking lot. It's uh, someone's selling Sting gear. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, they have a merch stand and there's no fans. <laughs> yeah, I did hear somebody say that, like, because I thought the same thing. I heard somebody say that, like, well, I mean, the fans that are leaving the show could buy some stuff. I was like, yeah, but like, it's just, yeah, it's just still kind of weird. <laughs> but um, basically, uh, they beat the crap out of the dude that was selling it. Uh, Cage threw the guy like a lawn dart. <laughs> Stars put, you know, a guy through a table. So they were ready for the street fight. So, um, yeah, it's fine promo. Basically, just hyping up, hyping up the street fight. Uh, then we had Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, with Reba slash Rebel against Shanna. Um, I thought it was a pretty good uh, women's match. Shanna's been pretty good on Dark lately. She's had a good uh, winning streak going, and Britt Baker is obviously a good heel. Yeah, uh, They had a good match. Um, basically, uh, Shanna started to come back at the end. She did like the spirit bomb thing because her whole gimmicks like Dragon Ball Z which I'm surprised she hadn't been slapped with a copyright or something but yeah I'm so Riley had mentioned this and I agree with her the Goku gear is cool but she needs new gear like she needs Shanna gear she has yeah. this is like a really cool one-off thing to do it like pay-per-views or whatever right where like you know like the Young Bucks did the Street Fighter thing and that's cool but she needs gear that like when especially when you put her up to Britt Baker which has some of the best gear in not only the women's division, but all of AEW, her gear looks so professional and so well done. And Shanna looks kind of like she's in cosplay. Yeah. So it doesn't, it doesn't do anything for her, like making her a star. I don't think. So I think she definitely needs to work on that. To that is my one negative. I would say about like AEW is that they've got a lot of people who, obviously have star power and like Britt Baker, like you said, she just looks professional because her gear is professional. And like, don't they, didn't they sign Shanna? Like, I know she's been on dark a bunch and she's been out for a while since the pandemic, but has gotten back. But like, yeah, they mentioned she just moved to America. Yeah. Like get this girl some good gear. Like they tend to put these people on TV who they just let them go out and, you know, their geek gear. And so I don't think they supply any gear. I think all of the wrestlers are, it's on their own volition to get their gear. Because uh, John Silver had talked about how Brody Lee had to buy his gear, um, after and he was signed at that point. I don't think they supply. Any but it, but I, I that's what I'm saying. Though. It's, it, it's a good investment to yeah, it for sure. Because WWE, they have their own seamstress there who makes everybody's costumes, and they have like costume designers and all this that actually, you know, design these things and think through their characters and all this stuff. And AEW could really use that. I think. Um, yeah, I think it's a good point. I, I do think they could definitely work on that. Yeah, I mean, there's some people who don't need it, but uh, I mean, like Cody's obviously got his thing down, but they, they've also got experience with this type of stuff. But then some people like Shanna, who's only known the indies, she might not really think about it too much. She might just come out in her Dragon Ball Z gear and think, yeah, this is me. But when you're yeah. on national TV trying to name, like you said, make a name for yourself and not Dragon Ball Z, she needs and some And they Shanna obviously gear. have like people who do stuff like that. But I think they need to like Brandon Cutler's wife is a seamstress and does all the Bucks gear and does uh, his gear. Obviously, I think she maybe does Cody's gear too. Um, but like, you need to make sure the whole roster is covered. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this was especially if you're gonna put him on. Uh, I could get it for dark, but if they're gonna be on national TV, like work yeah. with them. And this was a definitely it was a perfectly solid match. 
It was, of course, given the women's uh, slot, which is before the main event, and had a picture-in-picture and a full commercial break. Uh, The only one during a match of the week was during the women's match, of course. That's the way it always is. Yeah, I thought it was a perfectly solid match. Uh, You can talk about what happened at the end after the match or whatever. Yeah, basically, uh, Reba, Rebel, distracted uh, the official as Shannon was going for a Tiger driver. Um, And then... Britt Baker was able to get the uh, lockjaw submission on her to get the win. Um, so, yeah, she put her in the lockjaw. After the match, Britt, like, curb stomps her. She's, like, stomping on her head and stuff, just beating the crap out of her. Like, sh- showed her to the camera and everything and, like, put her back in the lockjaw. Thunder Rose's music hits. She runs out, sends Rosa and Rebel packing um, or run for the hills at least. So, just continuing the buildup between... Uh, Rosa and Baker, but it was fine. It wasn't a it wasn't a bad match, but you know it happened. <laughs> so I, I thought it was it was a fine women's match, but um, yeah, for being the only women's match on the show this week, uh, I felt like it was a little lesser for the women's division. But we should see more next week, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, because uh, and the, oh, and they also announced uh, Riho and Serena Deeb versus uh, each other for the first round of the AW uh, Women's World Championship. Yeah. And I think Britt Baker should go on to face Sheeta and beat Sheeta. Yeah, that'd be, good. that'd be pretty good. Yeah. Then we had an interview with uh, Dasha interviewing the Young Bucks and Good Brothers. Uh, the Good Brothers were acting all wacky like they normally do. Uh, so they beat up John Moxley next week. Um, but Matt made sure he didn't want Don Callis involved in their in their match uh they're about to argue when omega showed up and uh uh heavily bandaged don Callis and uh said the bucks assaulted them but their music started playing to start the match so they walked away yeah i'll be honest i'm not a huge fan of the good brothers and what i've seen of them uh first also they called themselves the bullet club which they've been doing that like well they did it on dark i think more that's but literally still, like calling themselves the NWO. Like that's a trademarked thing. I think New Japan's in on this, man. I really do. I think they're going to get involved eventually. I mean, yeah, they it's have possible. To, unless they even even the announcers were mentioning it. it wasn't just the guys. So yeah, I mean, it's it's not something they could just. I mean, maybe they can say the Bullet Club, but they couldn't come out as the Bullet Club, I guess. But I don't know. It's it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty telling. Well, wasn't Omega or somebody wearing a Bullet Club shirt, shirt on like Impact or something? Uh, he was, yeah, an old an old Bullet Club shirt. It didn't say Bullet Club; it said something else, like Omega Club or something, maybe. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so that'd be interesting to see. But uh, this is also a good match. We should say the main event. It was Young Bucks uh, and Good Brothers versus the Dark Order, which are Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, Alex Reynolds, John Silver. Um, I thought this was a great, really good match. If Jungle Boy and, and Dax Harwood wasn't so great, this would be the match of the night, I think. Um, yeah. But uh, we basically got a, at the end of the match, um, stuff started breaking down, and the Dark Order hit an awesome, basically quadruple finisher, which was Silver and Reynolds hitting their double team move. Like the, what is it? What does Reynolds do that goes in the German? I always forget. It's a super kick? It's not, I don't think it's a super kick. No. I can't I remember. It too. It's so good, but I always forget. Yeah, but basically Reynolds and um, Silver double team into a German suplex. 
He gets thrown immediately into um, Evil Uno. And Stu Grayson gets up on the top. They hit the fatality. It's basically a quadruple finisher on Matt to yeah. kill him. Uh, but the good brothers get in and break it up. Followed up with um, Nick hitting super kicks on everybody. He uh, dives onto the pile of people on the outside. Silver, uh, Uno, and Reynolds all get powerbombed to the apron um, by um, uh, by the Good Brothers and uh, Nick on the outside. Um, and then Grayson's the illegal man, so they throw him in the ring. They hit him with the quadruple super kick, um, but it does. But uh, Uno is able to sneak in and break everything up. Um, but eventually, they all get knocked to the outside, and then um, I think I actually had those things mixed up, but. Nevertheless, um, they are able to, uh, who's a Grayson. They hit with the, um, uh, match. No, they hit Uno with the match killer and the Bucks hit Grayson with the Meltzer driver to pick up the win. So, uh, good brothers and young Bucks, uh, pick up the win here. And then after the match, um, he gets crouched on the mic, talks about how next week is the tag team battle Royal to determine who will face them. Uh, a revolution for their belts. But they also said, we are also involved in that match. And if we happen to win, it means we could challenge anybody we want. And they look at the Good Brothers and the Good Brothers are basically, I guess, cool with this. And they're like, all right. And they do the two sweet thing. Uh, you think they're about to go out the air when all of a sudden Ray Phoenix shows up in the background running. I'll tell you what, man. They're called run-ins, but this guy literally runs in every time. <laughs> Yeah. He sprints to the ring, jumps on the top rope, and just dives and takes it to the Young Bucks. Um, the Good Brothers start beating on him, set him up for the Magic Killer, when all of a sudden John Moxley runs out and makes to make the save. Um, he's beating up everybody. And then I love this. Uh, also, Phoenix, I forgot. He knocked everybody out of the ring, and Phoenix ran and just cannonballed everybody. Like he was going like a, he was basically a fastball. Yeah. Just destroys everybody and lands. He's going so fast. He hits the guardrail and then flips upon it and like lands on it. So he's sitting on the guardrail and just like celebrates. Like it was so crazy. And then, um, John Moxley's just like in the room with his back turned. I love this. Kenny Omega's running out with his boot in his hand. He's going to whack Omega with it, but just like the heel he is, he's going to hit him with it. Moxley spins around, boots him in the gut, hits the, um, um, what's it called? Paradigm shift. And Omega's one boot on one foot, one yellow, bright yellow sock on the other foot is like straight up in the air. And he just collapses on the mat, just dead. Right. It's so great. Uh, and that's how we end the show. So, yeah, and Moxley really and Phoenix are on the same page. Involved this week, but I guess not. Dude, what was that? I really thought we were going to get Hangman involved in this, uh, this mix-up, but I guess not. Yeah, so... Um, but still, no, uh, Pac wasn't there, but um, and neither was uh Pentagon, but he's scheduled for the the match next week isn't he pentagon yeah i'm sure he was just uh back in in london or whatever this week wasn't okay. able to be taping yeah because he wasn't there last he was they had the fake pentagon last week so yeah. I'm hoping i don't he's think okay. pentagon will be there next week i don't imagine you don't think he'll be there i don't think pentagon will. i think pack will but i don't think pentagon will he's apparently actually legit injured from that leg injury he had last match he he performed in whatever that was he's built for the match isn't he no, Pentagon's not. No, it's it's Pac, Ray Phoenix, and uh, John Moxley. Versus oh, versus the Good Brothers and Omega. Yeah, yeah. The oh, okay, I was thinking eight man tag. I guess because this was eight man tag. I was thinking. Yeah, no, it's it eight man tag. 
Oh, okay, good. Okay, they, wrote, they wrote Pentagon off basically uh, gotcha. last week because he is legit injured. Gotcha. Okay. Also, no Hikaru Shida this week at all. Yep. Not at all. She's gone. She's missing. She's just a champion. You know, no big deal. Yeah. So I, was, I was saying, I'm surprised there was only the one women show on the or women's match on the show this week. So, um, yeah. But uh, hopefully, it's better next week. I would imagine it would be. And obviously, we got to build something for Revolution because. She doesn't really have a... Are they doing the elimination thing building up to the pay-per-view? Oh, I don't think so. I don't think they have time. That's what I was wondering. It's a, like, it's a big bracket. And it's also they announced Serena Deeb versus Riho are on the U.S. side of the bracket. Yeah. I guess that does officially say the other side is the Japanese side, which is weird that Riho is on the U.S. side of the bracket in the first <laughs> match. It's true. But I don't know. Hey, whatever. Yeah. We'll see. Um, yeah, I agree though. It's the women's wrestling was lacking on the show for sure, but uh, so hopefully they do a little bit better with it next week, which I think they probably would. But yeah, I think Baker versus Thunder Rose will be very good. Yeah. So that was AEW this week. Um, actually, let me go over because they have a rundown here of the, all the currently booked matches. As you said, Britt Baker, Thunder Rosa, the as we said, the Penelope Ford and Kip Sabian wedding with Miro as the best man and Charles. Orange Cassidy most likely will be involved in some way. Uh, the street fight. Well, no, this is a revolution. We have Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers versus John Moxley, Pac, and Bray Phoenix, as you said. And um, the number one contenders battle royal for the tag team titles, uh, which the teams listed here are Top Flight, Private Party, FTR, Jurassic Express, Jericho, MJF, Evil Luna and Grayson, Santana Ortiz, Guevara and Hager, and the acclaimed, and also the Young Bucks sure now added in. Mm, I bet it'll be Marco Stunt and Jungle Boy. Luchasaurus probably won't be there, if I had to guess. I'm kind of surprised they're in there. I kind of wish they wouldn't be after this week, but I would I would agree. Um, and then the Lance Archer and Eddie Kingston match, yeah, that'll. Yeah. It's really weird that the Young Bucks are in the match. Like I know they said that they if they win, it could be them versus the Good Brothers at Revolution, which I think is a very likely way that it will go. But, I don't think they're going to win. I think they're going to tease it. Yeah. I think, I, think, I think that's all they were doing here is just like doing a tease. I don't know. I guess FTR could win. Yeah, it's possible. It's a weird way to build up to a pay-per-view. This this far in advance, uh, I don't know. Also, yeah, I feel like they should have done this. Yeah, it is worth mentioning that the show was officially moved to March 7th, which is a Sunday. Um, which I'm very excited about because I wasn't going to be able to be there on February 27th, but now I can be there. So I will be trying to get tickets with uh, my wife and Matthew and Carol and to be there. Nice. And yeah, this is the first time they've had a Sunday show, which is interesting. Uh, apparently they had two UFC cards the Saturday before, which is why they had to move it. And right. then the direct the day before uh, the, the six. So yeah, they had uh, to be the first Sunday show, uh, 8 PM. Looking forward to that. I think it'll be a really good card. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it for sure. Who do, I think think, it'll be out. who do you think Omega's going to face? You think it's going to be Moxley again? Or you think it's going to be somebody surprising like like Pack or somebody? Um, I don't know. I think they would. It'd probably be better if they kept Moxley away from him for a while because he doesn't need to turn around and lose to him again. Yeah. Um, especially to have Omega cheat again, but yeah, I don't know. It would be interesting to see. Maybe, um, yeah, I have no idea. I mean, it seems like they're still good, kind of going in that direction because Mox, Moxley's still really involved with um, 
you know, good brothers and Omega. So I wouldn't be surprised if they did something to take Mox out of the fight. Um, for a little while. I mean, I know his baby's not here yet, but it's it's bad timing though. It really is to take him out because Renee's probably what three months pregnant and the pay-per-view is in uh, a little over a month. Yeah, that'd be pretty bad timing because they take him out and then have to take him out again. I don't know. I really don't know where they're going with it. Maybe he does just face him again and lose. I don't know. It'd be a shame to do that to your top baby face when he's so red hot. But you don't yeah. want to hot shot the belt between them for sure. Yeah, I could. I kind of wish he would move on to another. I don't know who he'd go up against. That's kind of the problem with AEW too. Is there's so many groups and groups that feud with each other. Like yeah. There's not an abundance of like singles guys that you could like easily put Omega or um, Moxley up against like right at the drop of a hat. Like he kind of has to, which I mean, I'm not saying you got to do it every week, but like, I mean, right. Cause you got MJF who, you know, would be a great opponent, but he's with inner circle. Same with Jericho. He's involved with the inner circle story. Matt Hardy's like with hangman. Now they're doing something. Hangman's with them. Dark horse. So kind of involved with that. Cody's involved with Shaq. Uh, I mean, maybe Pac. Something happens in the tag match, and Pac and uh, and uh, Moxley go at it for some reason. I mean, but they're both baby faces. That's kind of weird. Archer and Kingston are going at it. So I don't know. It's kind of kind of tough. They might just do that. Might do Moxley and and uh, Omega again. Yeah, I I don't know. I guess we'll see. Yeah, but, we'll probably know more after next week's show. I'm sure we will. But um, yeah, so that was AEW. We will. Uh, I want to. It was a good show this week. Oh, let's do our grades, and then we'll. I'll move on to the closing of the show. Um, I thought it was a good show. Obviously, better than last week. Uh, Matt thought we were a little harsh on it last week, but look, we have high standards for AEW because it's a good show normally. Yeah. So we want to do that. I thought the show this week was a solid, uh, like a very high B plus. Uh, I thought Jungle Boy and Dax Harwood was like A plus plus, but um, kind of an uneventful show. The matches were good for sure, but like wasn't a whole lot happening. So I don't, I want to leave room for, you know, the rating to get higher. I don't want to automatically give it an A, but high B plus for sure. So I think it was a good show. Yeah. I, I think I'd give it an A minus. I think this show was very solid there. The match between Jungle Boy and Dax was fantastic. Uh, I didn't really hate anything on the show. Like I'd said, the the Darby Sting promo wasn't great, but I didn't hate it. Um, So I I think it's a solid A-minus show. Uh, I'm hoping next week will be an A-plus show. I think it's got got the card for it, for sure. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, I mean, there's nothing really taking away from this show to me, but there's nothing super stood out as like a star-studded match or anything. Uh, We had some very solid matches, some very good technical matches, but... Nothing outrageous. I think it's a it's fair A minus show. Yeah, I, much, I would agree with you. Much better. Yeah. So uh, that was AEW for this week, guys. But um, I do want to plug. We are going to be doing a. I mean, we haven't watched WWE lately, but the Royal Rumble is coming up Sunday. Um, we're going to do a pred- prediction show uh, later this week. Uh, I think the next couple of days, obviously, because it's happening Sunday, but. Um, we're actually going to have several different guests on and kind of go over this thing. We're also doing it because, uh, I mean, Matt and I, I don't know if, if Micah has said it, but we've said it many times that 
Royal Rumble is our favorite match um, and our most look forward to pay-per-view that WWE puts on every year. So we're definitely going to watch it. We have our predictions of what they're going to be. I have some surprising ones that you might want to hear because I'm sure we're going to predict winners and stuff like that. And I, I have some surprising ones I'm going to deal out. But um, so tune in for that because um, we're going to go over a preview of what might happen. And then obviously have a review of the show when it happens because it's starting the road to WrestleMania. So it's a big, big show. So be sure to keep an eye out for that. And other than that, we're here every Friday um, for uh, posting our regular kind of weekend review of AEW. Uh, and in, usually Matt does his indie focuses as well that are on Tuesdays. So keep an eye out for those as well. This has been another episode of Russell Life Radio. Thanks, Micah, again for joining me yep. and running over AEW, uh, the good show we had this week. Uh, anything else you want to say before we sign off? No, I think we pretty much covered it. Uh, I am sort of looking forward to the Royal Rumble. I guess like it's not my it's it's probably my favorite WWE pay-per-view but man Drew McIntyre versus Goldberg well, yeah if, if Drew McIntyre I'm watching it if Drew McIntyre loses to Goldberg like Royal Rumble is the last WWE pay-per-view I might watch this year yeah like like I might boycott it for real if Drew McIntyre loses to Goldberg I will not watch WWE again this year I'm saying yeah. it out there I'm, yeah, I I'm pretty positive I would. I, I would. I mean, I've got a pretty good run going. I'm 28 days into the year and I haven't watched it. But. Yeah, I honestly haven't even watched it really later. Like, I'll watch a segment or something if I hear about it, but I, I read kind of what happens and listen to other podcasts and stuff and hear about it, and I'm just like, God, I'm glad I don't have to watch that anymore. It's just terrible. And not looking like it's going to get any better because the network, just WWE Network, if you haven't heard, got sold to Peacock. Uh, to the NBC. So now they're going to be on their streaming. So they don't even have to have the, like they only have to put quality stuff on the network anymore. They basically are getting paid for this much like UFC is with ESPN. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have WWE network, you're about to be a Peacock user most likely. <laughs> so, um, which isn't a bad thing, honestly, but it's just like not good for their quality. I think because they don't even have to worry about subscribers anymore for their investors because they're, they don't have to keep up their own numbers. So I don't know. We'll see. But um, yeah, look up for those Royal Rumble reviews. Um, I'm sure we'll have uh, some strong opinions on there. But thanks again for listening, everybody. You can follow us on Twitter and uh, Facebook. Actually, sorry, Instagram, Facebook at Russell Life uh, Radio on Twitter at Russell Life Pod. You can follow Matt at Russell Life Matt on Instagram and Twitter. And then you can follow me on Instagram at Kyle.Polly. Micah shows up on the Facebook every now and then, even though he doesn't like to admit it. But uh, we're all on there, so if you have a question, you can submit them on there. Or we have a link um, on our Facebook page that you can send messages to as well. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it, and we will catch you guys in a couple days, really, but next week as well. Have a good week. See ya.